Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. You can send messages to the show. On Twitter, at GoForItGant. Why are you there on Twitter, at GoForItGant? Give me a follow. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Blazers guard Gerald Henderson, Jr. Gerald is an a f- upcoming free agent, and so it should be interesting what he, t- what he says about that. But we're going to talk to him about his playoff experience with the Blazers. They gave the Warriors all they could handle, gave him a long t- not a long series, but a game, a tough series. And so we're going to be joined by him. And also, Rider University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill will be joining us as we talk the NBA playoffs. And we look at the NBA playoffs, and we look at what we've been seeing over the past few weeks and few days, I should say. And first and foremost, you look at what's going on now with this series last night with the Cavaliers and the Toronto Raptors. I know, and here's the thing. They say a series doesn't start until the road team wins. And at this point in time, the road team has not won. So the series has not officially started. But I will say this. Even though the series the series has not started according to that old adage, the series doesn't start until the road team wins, this series has started and this series is probably over. But here's what I'll say. You never know what can happen. I mean, Cleveland came out, won the first two games. They held, they held serve. You know, they did what they had to do. They, 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 they controlled their home court. They won on their home court, and ultimately now win on their home court. They're up 2-0. But it's not that they won on their home court. It's how they won on the home court. I mean, they dominated, 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 dominated the Toronto Raptors. Dominated. And you look at the domination by the Toronto Ra- by the Cavaliers over the Raptors, and you know th- this was a series coming into it that many didn't believe the Raptors had much of a chance, much of an opportunity to win this series. And, and I, quite frankly, I kind of agree. I didn't give the Raptors much of a shot, and, and I felt like the Raptors—they're just happy to be here. But the way Cleveland is clicking right now, the talent. Uh, you know, LeBron and Kyrie and Love, that big three is finally, it, it, it seems like they're clicking. It seems like they're clicking. And they're clicking at the right time. But I will say this. And, and when I look at the Cavaliers, I know they're 10-0 and 0 in these playoffs. But I also look at who they beat. And, you know, they, you go in the first round and not much of a challenge. You go in the second round. 
not much of a challenge. I mean, who they beaten is, is is not the who's who's in 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 the sport of basketball. You beat the Pistons. Pistons had a nice season, but they were happy to be in the playoffs. You beat the Hawks. Nice. You, you sweep the Hawks. Not only beat the Hawks, but you sweep the Hawks. But again, you know, the, the Hawks really didn't. You swept the Hawks last year without LeBron. So the Hawks really didn't have much of it. No, excuse me, with LeBron, but without Kevin Love and without Kyrie Irving. So you look at this time around, you didn't think the Hawks had much of a chance. And now you're beating up on the Raptors. Now, I, I you know, maybe, you know, everybody's talking about the chemistry. Everybody's talking about, you know, the Cavaliers are, are finally getting this thing right. Everybody's talking about this team is the favorite moving forward. But I look at the Cavaliers, and I think they're not going to be challenged until the NBA Finals. But I think we all kind of knew that coming into this thing. No, I think we all knew that the challenge wasn't going to be uh, what was going to happen now. The challenge wasn't going to be in the Eastern Conference. The challenge was going to come when they made it to the NBA Finals. That's when the challenge was going to come. And so now the challenge is going to come when you're playing possibly the Golden State Warriors, where you're playing possibly OKC. That's when the challenge becomes comes comes along. And Tyron Lue wasn't brought in to win the Eastern Conference Championship. To, to, Tyron Lue wasn't brought in to go through the Eastern Conference. No. Tyron Lue was brought in to get to the NBA Finals to beat a Golden State to beat uh, San Antonio, now to beat the OKC. That's why Ty Lue was brought in. Wasn't brought in because of – David Black got this team to the NBA Finals. He got them to the NBA Finals. All right? And he won two games, by the way, with a depleted roster. But obviously management – Felt like it wasn't enough. Obviously, LeBron James felt like it wasn't enough. So they needed that guy who could demand respect from LeBron and from the other players to get this team over the top. We'll see if Ty Lue is the guy. I'm not going to do jumping jacks and, you know, do cartwheels and jumping around all this and, and all this other stuff because of what I've seen to this point from the Cavaliers. It's impressive. Obviously, if you can go undefeated in the playoffs, it's impressive at this point in time. You can go 10-0. and 0. If you can go on a 10-game winning streak, that's impressive. Even more so impressive in the regular season because you're playing all playoff teams. So it is impressive on some level. But if the Golden State Warriors, with a healthy Steph Curry, were in the Eastern Conference, do you think they would have swept through? And do you think the Warriors would be ten and zero at this point? I think there's a good possibility they they would be ten and zero at this point. Yeah, I think so. Playing the teams that the Cavaliers played, playing the Pistons. Yeah, I think so. Playing um, uh, play, not only playing the Pistons but also playing um, the Atlanta Hawks. I think so. I, I, I think the Warriors would be at ten and zero at this point in time. I really do. But I, I again. The Cavaliers' challenge was never the Eastern Conference, was never, ever the Eastern Conference. That was never, ever the challenge for the Cleveland Cavaliers with Blatt as the coach, 
with Ty Lewis, the coach, was never the challenge. That was never the issue. Foregone conclusion that the Cavaliers would get to the NBA Finals. Foregone. There, there, there was never any doubt whatsoever about who was going to the NBA Finals from the Eastern Conference. Yeah, we talked about the Miami Heat a little bit, but Bosch went down. You know, they got, they got Joe Johnson. They went on a nice little run. It seems like maybe the Miami Heat could pose a threat to the Cavaliers, maybe. But ultimately, the Miami Heat couldn't get past the Toronto Raptors. So the Toronto Raptors took care of the Miami Heat. So the way the Cavaliers are playing now, it's great. It's beautiful. It's 10-0. It's impressive on some level because, again, it's 10 victories against playoff caliber teams. But I would not get so happy. I would not do jumping jacks. I would not do anything crazy because at this point in time, this on some level was expected. Maybe not 10-0, but what's about to happen, Cavaliers to the NBA Finals, was expected. Blatt, Lou, or what have you. It was expected. The next challenge is, and the real challenge is, and the challenge that everybody has been pointing to from day one is what happens when they play either OKC, either Golden State. And that's going to be where we can talk about whether or not Cleveland is the team that that they really are. That that's where we can find out what kind of team the Cavaliers really are. We'll see. We're going to bring the guy now. We've been talking the NBA playoffs with him throughout the course of these playoffs, and it's been a fun ride thus far to this point, at least in these last uh, you know few rounds. I mean, the first round wasn't that great, but. Second round was decent, a couple decent matchups, and, you know, obviously you got OKC and Golden State in his third round. But we're going to bring him in now, Ryder University assistant basketball coach, Marlon Gill. Marlon. Paul, what's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. I can't complain. It's Friday. For sure. For sure. Thanks for joining us. No problem, man. No problem at all. Let's get right down to it, and I think this is probably Captain Obvious, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Is there any way on God's green earth that the Toronto Raptors can beat the Cavaliers? Well, unlike you, I'm doing jumping jacks and push-ups and all that stuff because I don't think anybody's stopping Cleveland, man. Um you know, the way they play throughout these playoffs, man, it's like fine wine, man. You just get better with time. And every game, they get better and better. I mean, I didn't think in game one, I didn't think they could play any better, you know, going on that run in the second quarter. And then game two, uh, you know, Toronto has a decent lead. You know, a four, six-point lead, nothing too crazy, but it's a lead in its own, and Cleveland goes on this run, man, to just blow the game open, and it's like you're seeing the difference of men and boys. Uh, and, and that's no knock on Toronto. You know, they, they have good players, but Cleveland's just clicking on all cylinders, and they're doing it in a variety of ways. Uh, you know, in the series against Atlanta, they were hitting shots from the perimeter, so now what does Dwayne Casey do? It says, all right, let's uh, play up on them so they can't make those shots. 
and now the Cavs are just killing them in the paint. So it, it's like pick your poison of of how you want this cooking. Uh, and you know, as a fan, it's a good thing to watch, man, because you know, for me being a coach, you just like to watch good basketball, man. And the Cavs are just clicking on all cylinders, and it's good basketball to watch as a whole, man. And uh, like I said, I, I don't know where things turn for them, but, you know, it, it's just a, a good sight to see. Granted, it's the Eastern Conference, but, hey, you, you can't knock 10-0 right now, man. 10-0 is 10-0 regardless of how you sliced it. Hey, it's not, uh, it's not the cast fault of who's in front of them right now. That is true. That is true. But here's my question. Isn't this almost expected? I mean, didn't we expect the Cavaliers to pretty much dominate the Eastern Conference? Maybe not 10-0, but we pretty much expected a dominant Cavalier team going through the Eastern Conference. Is that, isn't what we're seeing almost expected? Yeah, but at the same time, I, I don't think the matchup favors Cleveland a lot more. And the reason why I say that, uh, you know, Kyrie kind of neutralizes Lowry. Um, you know, everybody knows my take on DeMar DeRozan, so <laughs> I think him and J.R. Smith neutralize one another. Uh, but the the part where, where there's an issue is who guards LeBron. Uh, and I say that with Let's say now if it was Miami that actually would have made it to the conference finals, Lou Aldang has given LeBron trouble in the past. So it's a better matchup. Uh, Whiteside is a better matchup for the bigs that Cleveland uh, plays. Uh, you know, if Valentunas is playing in this series, it's a little different, sure. But, you know, I, I just think it's all about matchups. And right now, all of the matchups are in Cleveland's favor. And like I said, you can't knock them. They're just playing who's in front of them. For sure. And, and you know, like you said, it is impressive when you go 10-0 and any stretch of basketball. It's impressive. But, I mean, I, I kind of expect this. But I will say this, and to your point, the way they're playing, it's not necessarily who they're beating, it's how they're beating them. And they're dominating, and it seems like it is – all clicking at the right time, and it, it should be interesting to see what can happen moving forward. We're talking to Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild, and let, let me ask you this now, and let's let's go to the other side. Let's go to an actual series, a real series, and Golden State OKC. OKC got it done, game one. Golden State came back. It's been a battle of third quarters. Westbrook had a big time third quarter in game one. Curry with a big time third quarter. In game number two, at this point, I know you had OKC winning this series in seven. Are you sticking to that after what we saw in game two moving forward? I am because if you're OKC, you're saying to yourself, we did what we needed to do. We won a game on the road, and now we get to go home with a chance to take another one. Uh, And, you know, granted, those third quarters are, are big, but if I'm OKC, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I, I've done, or we've done what we needed to do in getting game one. And, you know, if, if Westbrook steps up 
in game two, you know, maybe we squeak that one out or, or make it a little competitive. Uh, I, I will say say this though, it won't. It's not going to be easy. Like I said, I still have OKC winning in seven, uh, and the reason why I say that, I just think the combination of Cantor and uh, Stephen Adams is huge, and then you add Serge Ibaka in there. You're playing a front line of six nine, six ten, six ten, six eleven range. That's not easy to to beat because now if shots go up and they're missed, those guys can get offensive rebounds, and now that takes away from Golden State pushing the ball and transition and running out to the three-point line for shots. And then, you know, those guys, uh, I know Ibaka hasn't showed it in his postseason. He's been relegated to just being a jump shooter, but Cantor and Adams on the inside, that's pretty hard to deal with. So if I'm OKC, I'm not hitting the panic button. We did what we needed to do. We got a split, and now – it's on our turf now to handle business. For sure, and then we'll see what happens Sunday night out there in OKC. This has been a it's been a great series back and forth. In terms of the point guard position, you got Steph Curry, you got Westbrook. Is it advantage Curry? Is it advantage Westbrook? Where do you where do you stand with that? Ah, uh, wow, oh, tough one because b- both of those guys they're different and. I really think that Curry wants no parts of Westbrook. I honestly believe that. Hell, there's a lot of guys that don't want a problem with Westbrook. <laughs> and I think the on the other end, Westbrook takes on the challenge of, of guarding a Steph Curry. You know, I, I watch certain uh, situations in both game one and game two. Uh, the NBA does – a lot of switching. And if you notice, whenever Curry's guarding Westbrook, and, you know, the NBA is all about pick and rolls on the offensive end. Well, the Warriors switch that a lot. I would love to see Steph Curry step over a ball screen and, and say, no, I'm checking Westbrook. You know, this is my guy. I'm going to fight over this screen and keep him in front of me. Now, on the other end, you know, Curry is pretty good with the basketball in his hand as well. But I, I just think uh, Westbrook is a little more nutty, but in a good way to take on that challenge. And I think he might even said something like that in the media before the series started. You know, uh, I've guarded shooters before. You know, Steph's no different. And, you know, that's what I like to see, man, a guy that's not going to back down and, and – you know, Curry might be the best player in the NBA, but if you add certain guys, Westbrook's right there in the top five, and, and he'll take on that challenge of, of wanting to be the best. And I think sometimes Westbrook, that plays a part in the game, getting being ahead of him or, or losing his head a little bit, so to speak. But uh, I, I really do think that, you know, Westbrook is a, a – I'm not going to say a superior player, but to me, he's the better player of the two, man, just because of that swag and that dog that he has to him. So you feel like, I mean, yeah, 
the, 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 what Westbrook has done in these playoffs, I think, has been absolutely impressive. And, and quite frankly, what he's done this regular season has been impressive. And also, if you look at it, if, if Steph Curry and the Warriors don't win 73 games, I think we could easily talk about Westbrook as possibly being the MVP of this league. I mean, the triple-doubles, all the things that he's done to this point in the regular season and what he's done in these playoffs at this point in time. It's oh, kind of no doubt, no doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. I, I think, uh, you know, for as good as, as Curry is, nobody talks about Westbrook. And I think Westbrook's right up there with him. When you evaluate point guards, you know, I would say Curry and Westbrook, are 1A, 1B. I think if Steph has an advantage, it's because he can shoot the basketball. Uh, but, you know, R- Russell does a lot of things as far as going to get rebounds, uh, sticking his nose in the paint, you know, getting knocked down to the floor, you know, making the toughness plays. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not a big difference, not that far off. It, no, I mean, I, I think I totally agree. It's, it's not – I mean, if you said – I think anybody – I think you can make a legitimate argument for Westbrook being better than Curry and vice versa. I think legitimate arguments can be made on both sides of the fence. But I think at the end of the day, if we look at this particular season and, and what Steph has done in terms of upping his, his scoring average six points in, in, in a season, that, that that's good. That's big time. That's – that doesn't happen. I mean, he went from having an MVP season the year before to having a no-doubt MVP season this this year. So, I mean, it, it, I think you can go both – I really honestly believe that you can go both ways, and I think you can make legitimate arguments for either player in terms of who's better. But, we'll, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting argument because of what Westbrook brings to the table. He brings a lot to the table, and it can't be discounted – what he does bring to the table. We're talking to Ryan University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. Marlon, who needs game three more? Warriors, Thunder, who needs it more? I really think the Warriors needed more because of the regular season and what they were able to do to go 73-9. and nine. Uh, For OKC, if I'm them, you know, I'm saying we have nothing to lose. Nobody thinks we're going to win this series anyway. Everybody thinks it's going to be a competitive series, but – Everybody thinks that Golden State's going to win. So it's always going to be more pressure on them because if they lose a game or lose this series, you know, the doubt will start creeping into people's heads of, hey, this team wasn't that good. You know, that 72-10 and 10 Bulls team was the superior team and then so on and so on. So I, I really think there's more pressure on Golden State to win game three. Will they win game three? No. Okay. You like OKC? Stick, sticking with it, mean, thunder up. <laughs> so you, the thunder <laughs> and seven. Here's here's my own. I'm not saying it can't happen, but here's my only thing with that and seven. You're telling me that OKC is going to go to Oracle and win. I mean, they beat San Antonio twice, and and you know, no doubt that's big time. But you tell me they're going to go to Oracle in a game seven situation where history tells you. Game seven, bet on the home team. You believe that will happen? OKC will go to Oracle and beat uh, Golden State. Well, I'm not a betting man because the NCAA doesn't allow me to be a betting man. But <laughs> the last time I bet, I wasn't a man. I, I was a young man, and that was the Knicks beating the Heat on Allen Houston's floater 
which was a great shot, okay. by the way, and one of the uh, best shots I've ever seen and been around in my life. But uh, to get back to OKC, a game seven at Oracle, there's no pressure on them. They can go in and just play their game and do what they need to do. You know, they've done it before. They they went to San Antonio and won two games. They've are already won a game at Oracle. There's no pressure on them. Everything's on Golden State because, like I said, if they don't win, anything less than a championship for Golden State will be seen as a failure on many levels. One, you didn't win the championship. Two, that record will have asterisks next to it. Uh, and, and, you know, this is what it is. Yeah, I mean, and, and no doubt. I mean, to your point, and I've said this throughout the course of the season, it does that whole 73 doesn't mean anything if you don't get the ring. And so we'll see if they can actually get the ring. It's going to be fun, man. This series has been fun. And it, it should be fun. And well, no doubt, and I've been enjoying what we've seen thus far in this series. Let, let me ask you this now. New York Knicks make an interesting hire. Um, you know, you're a lifelong Knicks fan, East New York, so on and so forth. I mean, uh, you, you look at the situation now with the New York Knicks making this hire, hiring a Jeff Hornacek, who in 2013-2014 had a lot of success with that Suns team, won 48 games. Uh, you know, that was a team no one expected to be anything that particular year, and they found a way to win 48 games and almost made the playoffs in a tough Western Conference overall. Are you happy with this move? I know you wanted Vogel. Mark Jackson's out there. But are you happy with this move? Uh, oh, man. Uh, and no disrespect to Jeff Hornacek. No, I'm not. And, and <laughs> Hornacek might do a great job, but it, it's it's like I'll, I'll give it to you like this. You hear, let's say you, you're dating a girl. And you've seen this girl, she's pretty, you you want to court her and do what you need to do to at least be able to take her out. And she finally says yes. And the night of the date, she shows up with dingy clothes on, ripped clothes, and still says, hey, do you want to go out? That's what this feels like to me. And the reason why I, I say that, is Jeff Hornacek might be a great coach. He did great things in Phoenix, but what Jeff Hornacek is known for is for the Morris brother throwing a towel at him during a timeout. <laughs> Let, let's just—it it is what it is. He's known for that and scratching the side of his face when he wanted to shoot a free throw. Frank Vogel's proven. Frank Vogel's been to Eastern Conference Finals. He, he's won division titles. you got to go with the guys that, that are proven. And, and I don't know if that was what was Phil Jackson's thinking in hiring a coach, but Frank Vogel, and, and you know, it's typical Nick fashion, man. Uh, guys are staring you right in your face, and you go and do something else. Uh, you know, they've done it in the draft, and now they've done it on the bench. Nothing new. Uh, honestly, I, I'm after I'm 33 years old. I've been a Knicks fan since I was about nine years old. This is the first time I've really thought about jumping ship. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't uh, do that. You're loyal. 
I I I have my life vest on. <laughs> ready to ready to jump off. I'll I'll float. I'll float. Well, apparently Jeff Hornacek does have some great ideas, and uh, you know you you talk about that 2013-2014 season. He 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 willed that team to the almost to the playoffs and won 48 games. So he, I mean he's he's not. It's not an awful hire, but I mean, it's not. I don't think it's what anybody expected, obviously. And so we'll see what the Knicks do next year, and we'll see how this works out for the New York Knicks and the New York Knicks faithful. But I mean, Phil should just come on down and just coach the team at this point. No, <laughs> I think Phil just needs to ride off into the sunset on one of those horses he has in Montana. And let's just enjoy Phil for the championships he won in Chicago and Los Angeles. It's just time to move on. And that's no knock on Phil. Phil's great. He was great for the NBA. But, you know, it's like it's like me. Like, I can't play anymore like I want to play. So I'd rather just live through the stories that people say about me now. <laughs> Before we get out of here, um, I know you've been on record previously as saying you you want Ingram over Simmons. Are you still on record as saying? And let me ask you this comparison. You know, I was watching a little Ben Simmons today, and you know, just your 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 opinion on this. I see, I see a little, I see a little Grand Hill in Ben Simmons. A- am I off with that? You might be way off with that. <laughs> Grant, Grant Hill is a top 75 player of all time. Ben Simmons hasn't done anything at the college level. <laughs> Even with his ability to get his ability to get to the basket, his passing ability, and when Grant Hill came into the league, his jump shot wasn't the greatest. Ultimately, his jump shot evolved. It got better. He really wasn't a three-point shooter either, but his jumper got better over time. Is it possible that Simmons can go the same way? I, I don't see it. I don't see it. The best player in this draft will be Brandon Ingram, hands down. Okay. Hands down. He'll be he'll be the best player. I think Chris Dunn, uh, obviously I'm showing some uh, nepotism because we're part of the same AAU program. Uh, I think he'll have a bright future. Uh, and I think my sleeper is the, uh, the kid from Washington, the 6'7 kid from Washington. Uh, who's like a top – he's in the top ten. Uh, I, I think those three guys will be the impact players of this draft. And it's not a very good draft. I mean, if, if you're the Celtics, I'm hurting right now because you could trade down and still get the same player at nine that you could have got at three. You know, if you didn't get the first or second pick, you're kind of screwed right now. So if, if I'm the Celtics, I'm kicking myself. It's like, who, who do I take at three? that I can't get at 8, 9, 10. So, uh, but no, nah, just to piggyback off, off what you said, uh, Brandon Ingram by far is the best player in this draft today. Okay. It, it should be fun. So if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you're picking Brandon Ingram over Ben Simmons. You're, you're still sticking with that. If I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, this is what I would do. I would trade my pick with the Lakers. I'll put the pressure on the Lakers. Give me another draft pick, take a contract off my shoulders, and put the pressure on you. Let's see who you take. 
because if I'm the Lakers, do I take Ben Simmons? I already have Julius Randle, but the Lakers would have no choice but to take Ben Simmons because, one, the the fanfare that the Lake, the Los Angeles would give them, and, uh, you know, two, you're building around young guys. Well, Russell is already there. Him and Simmons have a relationship from playing high school together. Maybe that helps you. And now the Sixers have the second pick. Well, Brandon Ingram drops right into our lap, and we get an extra pick out of it, maybe another player down the road. Who knows? Just me being the GM here, but what do I know? I, I coach at Ryder. <laughs> so you, you're pretty much with, with basically you're saying you trade it, put the pressure on the Lakers, and see who they pick. That's what pretty I would much. do. Now that's, that's an interesting perspective. I mean, I, I mean, as a Sixers fan, the the what the 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 skill set that Ben Simmons has is tantalizing, it's exciting, it's interesting, and I got to take my chances to see what happens. So we'll we'll see if it if it turns into anything. Maybe it turns into something. Maybe it turns into nothing. Let me ask you this: At worst, what can Ben Simmons be? At worst, at worst, I, I see Ben Simmons as a thirteen, eight and four guy. And the only reason why I say that is, you know, the one thing he lacked at LSU I thought was the Kobe, you know, the killer. We've spoken about the Kobe plenty of times. Certain guys have it, certain guys don't. And I'm just not quite sure if he has that. Oh, and if he can get it. So that's my only – that's my knock on Ben Simmons, but that one knock takes a lot of notches off his belt. Okay. All right. So thirteen. That, that that sounds like an Andre Iguodala type on some level. Right. Which is not the first pick. Which is not <laughs> no, the first not pick. All. Not at all. We'll see. We'll see. It should be fun, man. And we'll see what happens as we get closer to the NBA draft. Pleasure, man. Uh, as always, thanks for having me, my man. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Ryder University assistant basketball coach. Marlon Gills, his thoughts on the NBA playoffs as they go on. And he's talking about Marquise Chris out of Washington, the power four out of Washington. And um, so we'll we'll see what happens, man. And, I mean, the NBA draft, is it, it's right there upon us, man. And, you know, what happens with the Philadelphia 76ers and, and you know, where they go here? Will, will they go to, to, with Simmons? Will they go with um, – Brandon Ingram. Here's what I'll say. Brent, Brett Brown knows and has an idea about um, Ben Simmons. He spent some time with him over in Australia. So, to me, if Brett Brown passes on Ben Simmons, then that, that might tell you some things. That most definitely might tell you some things because you look at it, and like we said, Simmons has a relationship with Brown. Brown has a relationship with Simmons. Those two have crossed paths before. So, again, if, in fact, if, in fact, the Philadelphia 76ers decide to pass on Brett, not Brett Brown, on Ben Simmons, to me, that is very, very telling. Should be fun. Should be interesting. Can't wait to see how the whole thing plays out. But we're going to bring in a guy now. Um, you know, was in these NBA playoffs with the Portland Trailblazers. Blazers did the unexpected. They 
got to the NBA, they got to the playoffs first and foremost, which was unexpected. And then after getting to the playoffs, again, unexpected, but they got to the playoffs, they actually ultimately won a round in the playoffs, which which was, again, unexpected. So a lot of unexpected things came from the Portland Trailblazers during this NBA season. They got to places that no one expected them to get to, and they got far in these playoffs and gave the Golden State Warriors all they could handle. And a guy who was a part of that is Gerald Henderson, Jr. We're going to bring him in right, right now. Let's bring him in now. Guard for the Blazers, the Portland Trail Blazers. Let's bring him in, Gerald Henderson, Jr. Gerald, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Paul. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Get right down to it, man. I mean, I want to start with the playoffs that's going on now, the Western Conference Finals. Big-time series between the Warriors and OKC, series tied at one. How do you see this thing playing out? Can OKC pull this off? Um, They got a chance. You know, I never count anybody out. They got a chance. The way they were able to come into Oakland and and beat the Warriors in game one, you know, gives me a feeling that they they may be able to, uh, you know, win a few more games. Uh, I, I do still see the Warriors as the favorite. And think they'll they'll ultimately win. You know they have just too much firepower it seems, and always find ways in the fourth quarter. Besides game one, uh, you know to pull it out at the end. So um, you know it should be interesting the rest of the series. Now it's a battle of point guards. You got Westbrook. You got Curry. Let me ask you this: In your opinion, for you, who's harder to guard, Curry or Westbrook? Who's the harder one to guard? Uh, I'd say Stefan. I'd say Stefan for sure. Um, you know, number one, just because he has, he has such range. You know, he can shoot pretty much when he gets over half court. So you got to pick him up. And then he has the ability to um, to go by you. You know, he's got a great handle and, um, you know, can get by you and, you know, finish or, or make plays for other guys. Westbrook uh, doesn't shoot it as well. You know, there's nights where he gets hot from – from uh, you know distance, but you know, he does have a little more quickness and athleticism to the rim, so they're, they're both tough to guard. But Stefan, with his shooting ability, I think separates him a little bit. Now, you guys, you guys gave the Warriors all they could handle. Ultimately, they beat two and five. But I mean, obviously, you guys really, really played well in that series and, and really gave the Warriors a rough go. What is the takeaway for you guys uh, from this series? What, what do you take from this series into the off season? Uh, well, you know, we, we look at it as a as a positive. Obviously, you don't you never want to lose uh, to anybody, but you know, taking the um, you know defending champs to five games and really five games where we were in in every single game couldn't come up with uh, you know some of the plays down the stretch in most of the games except one that we did win. Um, you know, you just learn from the experience, and you know, in watching them. Uh, they they always seem to to make the right play, make the right pass, or get get a stop in in the most crucial moments in in all of the games, which kind of put them over the top with us. So, you know, going into the off season, I think guys are are feeling good. And mo- you know, everybody had a great year on our team. So, you know, it's all positive. And you know, when you talk about experience, that's the best kind of experience you can get is playing against 
uh, arguably the best team in the league and, and give them, them everything we had. For sure. You guys you guys play well in that particular series, but like you said, the Golden State Warriors, they know how to close and they know how to get it done. We're talking to Blazers guard Gerald Henderson, Jr. And, Gerald, you guys ultimately get to the second round. You beat the Clippers in the first round. Some would argue, you know what, you beat the Clippers, but you beat the Clippers without Chris Paul, without Blake Griffin. How do you respond to something like that? Uh, you know, it's not our job to to put guys on the floor, you know, on the other team. Uh, they got injuries for uh, whichever reasons, and um, that's our that's our game. You know, guys get hurt all the time. It just so happened that their two best players did. But, you know, we play who we have in, in front of us. And, um, you know, people can say that, you know, had they played, we would have lost. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all hypothetical. You know, what it comes down to is, uh, we we played who was in front of us and we beat them, and then the next round we played uh, Golden State just as tough as anyone has. So, um, you know, it's uh, you know, it's all it's all it's all talk. But I, I feel like uh, you know we had a, a real chance to beat them with their two best players. Either way. Let me ask you this now: You look at you guys. Obviously, you got a big time backcourt: Lillard, McCollum. How close is this team to being a championship-caliber team, especially with the rules? And, and you got those guys, the, the guards, who can penetrate, can drive, who can score, and can do some big-time things. But how close is this team to being a championship-caliber team? I still think we have, you know, we have a lot of work to do. You know, we, we had a good season and a good playoff run here, but um, you know, still got a lot of work to do. I think, you know, this summer will be important to. Uh, you know, keep some guys, and I'm sure uh, the uh, management will be looking to bring some other guys in, you know, always trying to make the team better. And, um, you know, we'll see. We Obviously, with Dame and and CJ having the exceptional years that they had, uh, they'll be looking to keep them, and um, they'll, they'll improve over the off season. And, you know, we'll see. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to say the exact pieces that you need uh, to be a championship-level team, people thought that the pieces that we had this year would be <laughs> at the bottom of the of the league. So, you know, it's always a tough thing. Chemistry is a tough thing to to really uh, get a gauge on until you re- until you see it or you don't. So, um, you know, we'll look and see what happens this summer and, and really how that team starts next year. Now you look at this team coming into coming into this season. Like you said, no one expected the Blazers to be where they were this season, making the playoffs, winning a round in the playoffs. No one expected that. Looking back on things and coming into training camp with this team, did you honestly think the playoffs were a possibility? Yeah, I thought they were a possibility. You know, it's you know every year there's a team or two that really surprises people. Um, we we happen to be um, one of those teams, you know, by a by a long shot, and um, you know I could see the talent that we have in the team. You know, one of the things that that you see right away is that there's so many new guys on the team that it may it could take some time to to real to really get some chemistry. But, you know, we did struggle in the beginning. We were 11, 11 and 20 at one point. And, you know, out of nowhere, you know, in January, we just picked it up and, 
and really looked like a team that had been playing together for years. And it kind of took off. And, um, you know, it kind of carried us into into the postseason. So, you know, I think all together, though, we really had a belief that that we could do big things, never really listening to what people had to say about our team or what they projected us to be, and just really keeping it within ourselves and – and um, always talking ourselves up like we can we can be a good team and do big things this year. For sure. We're talking to Blazers guard Gerald Henderson, Jr. And, Gerald, your coach, Terry Stotts, just earned an extension. Obviously, he did big-time things with you guys this season. What's it like playing for Coach Stotts? Oh, Terry's great. He's a great guy. He's a, a player's coach. You know, he comes in every day with the same same demeanor, um, you know, just kind of guy asks you how you're doing, how your family's doing, and, and means it. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he keeps things loose, and you know. But when it's time to work, it's time to work. And um, he was he was great for me, and great to all the guys this year. He's well he's well deserving of uh, that award, or well deserving of uh, his extension. And um, you know the the award I was thinking about was Player of the Year, which I or uh, Coach of the Year, sorry, which I thought he should have got. And um, you know he didn't he didn't get it, but he's well deserving of that award. Um, but you know it's just good to see um, a guy like him uh, get it, get an extension like that because it's well deserved. And he just did a great job also this year of decision making. You know as as a, as a coach, you know that you're put in that position to to make a lot of decision was with 15 different guys. And, um, you know, there was a log jam uh, at a certain point during the season with guys in my position, and he just decided to, to make some moves, and it really, it really jump-started our team. So, um, you know, his decision-making this year with, with our guys was, was critical to our success. Now, in the NBA, when you talk backcourt, you, you talk about Steph and, and Clay, you talk about the Rose and the Lowry, and you also talk about Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, arguably the best backcourt in basketball. In your mind, is it the best backcourt in basketball? Ooh. Uh, I, you'd have to – I think you've got to get a little more specific with that question. So, you know, if you want to say – Best overall backcourt. I'd, I'd, I'd probably back say that's yeah. tough. Um, it's tough, you know, because you got you got Clay and you got Steph. Uh, Clay Thompson, I'd probably say is the best, the best, probably the best overall two guard we got in the league. Um, okay. He can light it up on the offensive end, and then is a really good uh, defender as well. You know, it's hard to say. I see these guys every day, and. You know, as their teammates, um, you know, they, they impress me every day. I mean, really, with, with Dame's ability to shoot from, you know, where Stefan shoots from and score the basketball, you know, lead the team. And then CJ, with the year that he had, just being able to score the ball in so many different ways, his handle, um, so smooth. Um, he's, he's just so impressive. It's hard to say that they're the best backcourt. But they're they're right up there. They're right up there with the with the best. Um, you know, it's, it. I think time will tell a little bit. You got to let them play a couple more years. These other guys have had a few more years to establish themselves together. So I think that I think that's that's what will mark them as uh, 
you know, the best. Just a little bit of more time. We're talking to Blazers guard Gerald Henderson, Jr. And how about Lillard? I mean, obviously another big-time year. He's doing big-time things, putting up big-time numbers. We talk Curry. We talk Westbrook. We talk Chris Paul. It's time to talk Lillard as well. But how good is Damian Lillard in comparison to the Currys and to the Westbrooks and to the Pauls out there? I'm putting him in the category with all those guys um, okay. as a as a uh, as his teammate, and seeing him up close and personal for a year, he is the real deal. He comes in, has the same demeanor every day. He puts in his work, gets his shots up. Uh, he's very adamant about being a leader and very vocal guy. But also, he's 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 about going out there and and getting after it. Uh, you know, he's he plays with a chip on his shoulder every game, especially when he's playing against another point guard that uh, they would say is better than him. He wants to go out and, and prove people wrong. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, especially this season, he got snubbed with the all-star bid. Mm-hmm. Definitely, clearly should have been on the team, but for whatever reasons was not. And he took that personal, so personally, so... Um, you know, and then on top of that, he's just uh, what I would call just a real one. You know, he's um, a great guy, um, honest guy, just, you know, one of, one of the people you can trust and just uh, just a stand-up guy. So, you know, I, was, I, was, I enjoyed being his teammate this year. Let's go to you now, Gerald. Last offseason, you had the hip surgery. Did that slow you down earlier in this season? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it took me a little while to get my stride. It's, uh, you know, you come back from surgery, especially a major surgery like I had, and, um, you know, it, it take, took me two two months to walk afterwards. So, okay. you know, getting getting into basketball shape is, is even tougher, you know. So it took me a while to, to get my body in condition to play and then uh, getting on a new team, you know, new offense, new defense, Learning how to play with my teammates was all an adjustment for me. So it did take me some time to to get moving. But you know, after after Christmas, you know, I really I really came into my own and and felt good, felt in really good shape. And you know, at that time is is when the team really started turning up. So I felt good about my contributions to our success. So um, you know, every anybody who knows. Going through an injury is is a tough thing, but at some point, you know, you you get it back and it it feels good. Let me ask you this now. You're going to be an unrestricted free agent. There's a lot of money to be made out there. I heard you're on the record as saying, first and foremost, you would like to return to the Portland Trailblazers. But we look at the Portland Trailblazers. We got Crabb, we got McCollum, we got Lillard. Is there minutes there for Gerald Henderson Jr. in Portland? Uh, well, there were minutes this year. Um, you know, I averaged about 20 minutes. I think after All-Star break or after January, end of January, I averaged about 24, 25 minutes. So, um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's it's a different role than I played earlier in my career, but it's a good role. I, I made it. I made it my own, and you know, I was able to help the team win. You know, the biggest thing for me is being in a position 
to uh, to affect what's going out there on the court. And, you know, not particularly starting. You know, everyone would love to start, and, you know, me, me included. But uh, for the team that you're on, you have to play a role that's best for the team. And, um, you know, also as a player, you got to put yourself in a – you know, on a team that's uh, best suited for you. So there's a lot of things that go into into yeah. free agency. So, you know, this summer we'll, we'll look at it. And if, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to be back there. It's a nice place. If, if they want me back for, um, you know, with the right deal, then we'll make it happen. If not, then it'll be another destination. But I know the, the one year I did have there um, was was a great one. And this is a good time to be a free agent in the NBA with all the money being thrown around. So hopefully you can get some of that money being thrown around. But what 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 factors make up your decision? What what factors do you point to in terms of making your decision on a team? Oh, there's a few of them. There's a few of them. I say first and foremost, it has to be a a good fit uh, for me. You know, my my style game. Um, you know, you want the team to have a plan for you and what they're doing um, on both ends of the floor. So, um, you know, you got to look at you got to look at how they do things. You got to look at the coach. Um, you know, the other guys around you. It's you know, see if you if you mix well with them. Um, you know, you may not be able to really tell until you get out on the floor, but you know, you give it an eye test and, and then gauge it from there. Um, you know, it's geographical stuff isn't as important to me. You know, I just want a ball, you know, Portland, it rained all year besides the last (laughs) month and a half. So, you know, I was cooped up in the house, uh, you know, inside of the rain and the cold and, uh, figured out a way to have a good season. So it's not really as important to me. Uh, but you know, and then, and then, what most people try to stay away from saying on the radio or TV is the money. But, uh, you know, everybody wants a good deal. Everybody wants uh, to feel like what they deserve or to get what they feel like they deserve. And, um, you know, because this is a job, you do put hours on top of hours into your craft and, you know, you feel like you should be compensated well for that. So, you know that that'll play into it as well. So we'll just just see what what happens in, in the middle of the summer, and you know it's uh it's a it's it's a it's a good time overall though. For sure, for sure, and you know obviously people you you talked about the money. I mean if if everybody's being real about the situation, and I believe you you're basically being real as well. It money does you know obviously money matters, and and when you have an opportunity to make a lot of money. You got to find a way to get that money now. Now, Gerald, you're doing big things in the community, man. You got a golf tournament coming up, the third annual Gerald Henderson Invitational, out there in Charlotte. Tell us about it. Oh yeah, just like you said, it's the third year of the tournament. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it this summer. It's August 8th here in Charlotte at Piper Glen uh, Golf Club. You know, the tournament is a charity celebrity charity tournament. Uh, benefiting an organization called Playworks, and um, you know they they help kids with behavioral behavioral problems. Um, you know they put them in recess and sports outside to help them 
you know, cope with some of the issues they're dealing with. It's a great organization. It'll be the first year that, that we work with them. So uh, looking to raise a lot of money for, for that cause. And uh, we raised 70000 the first year, ninety about ninety k last year. People have really uh, supported everything, so it's been great. We've had, um, you know, celebrities from myself, my father, um, local Matt Carroll. Um, we had Julius Irving playing it last year. So, you know, we've had, uh, you know, a few guys come out and, and really show support. So uh, just looking forward to the same thing this summer, and uh, it, it should be a great thing. So, fans, make sure you go to the website, ghjuniorinvitational.com. That's ghjuniorinvitational.com, so you can find out some great information about the Gerald Henderson Invitational. How's your golf game, man? Uh, it's uh, it's a little rusty right now. I played my first round yesterday. I uh, I started with a, with two double bogeys and uh, kind of stumbled into the clubhouse through nine, but then I shot it even on the back, so... Um, let me know I have a little game left. So I just got a little fine-tuning to do before my tournament. Okay, all right, all right. Let, let me ask you this, man. I mean, I, during these playoffs, I, I saw Joe Henderson, a different side of Joe Henderson, an angry Joe Henderson. You and Verity, I was going chest-to-chest there, man. What, what's going on with that Joe Henderson? Yeah, you know, if if you push the right buttons, man, you know, you can you – can, uh, see a side of, of people that you may not see all the time. But, uh, you know, it was, that was a – I don't want to call it a dirty play, but uh, it, I, I don't know if it was a clean play. You know, I got tripped, and I knew I knew he did it on purpose. So, you know, I had to, I had to uh, get in his face and say something to him. But, uh, you know, the playoffs, the playoffs get testy. You know, you've seen it almost every game now. You know, there's, there's there's some kind of altercation or something that goes on that they got to stop the game for. You know, unfortunately, a few plays after that, I got thrown out the game for talking a little too much to him. But, uh, you know, that's the way it goes, man. You know, it's uh, sometimes you let your motion get the best of you, so I got to do a better job of, of keeping myself in the game, though. But at the end of the day, Gerald Henderson Jr. ain't a punk, right? Oh, not at all. Not at all. But, you know. Before we get out of here, obviously you got the Curry, Steph, and Dale, but we got the Hendersons, Gerald, and Gerald. Who's better? Ooh. Are you talking about basketball or are you talking about golf? All of the above. Ooh. Well, I've, I, I haven't played with Stefan yet. We we all we talk every year about getting out and playing, but our schedules just never align. Uh, I played with Dell a few times. He can hit it a long way. He's a good player, uh, and even Seth uh, is a good player as well. Um, you know, my dad, my dad can play, man. He's he's the one that taught me how to play. Doesn't okay. hit it very far, but hits it straight. He, he's got a great short game. Can really putt. And, um, you know, my game's, like, up and down, man. I could shoot even par. I could shoot 85. Like, it just depends on the day, you know, because I just don't play enough uh, to to really um, <laughs> have that consistency that I used to have when I was younger. In, ter- in terms of basketball, uh, I think uh, Stefan's better than all four of us, for sh- all five okay. of us, including Stefan. 
he's uh he's light years better than than all of us but uh you know he he's definitely being his friend for man I'd probably say twelve about twelve thirteen years now we we were the same high school class too we played against each other in high school i'd say okay. he is he's making everybody proud with the way he's he's um he's doing his thing out there on the court he's he's turned himself into a two time m v p well deserved and and it's just it's a cool thing to see. He's the greatest off off the triple three point shooter I've ever seen, and quite frankly, he's probably the greatest three point shooter in the history of the game. At, at this point in time, I don't yeah. think there's really an argument. No argument. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Yeah. The way where he shoots it from, how he shoots it, um, how many times he shoots it and makes it, it's uh, it just sets him apart. For sure. Uh, again, fans, go to the website ghjuniorinvitational.com. Hit this man up on Twitter at ghjunior09. Also on Instagram at g underscore hender09 and support all the great things going on with Gerald Henderson Jr. Gerald, a pleasure, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Go get that money and have a great <laughs> summer. <laughs> Paul, I appreciate all that, man. Thanks for having me on. Gerald Henderson Jr. Blazers had a big time season. Ultimately, they made it to the playoffs. Ultimately, they went around in these playoffs. And, you know, it was a successful season in Portland. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. They did and took it as far as they could take it. And, you know, you got to kudos to Terry Stotts, kudos to that backcourt Lillard McCollum, kudos to Gerald Henderson Jr., kudos to the rest of the Portland Trail Blazers. Again, ghjuniorinvitational.com. Support all the great things going on with Gerald Henderson. Second and last half hour. Go for it. Starts right now. starting right now in that first hour we were joined by Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill and also we were joined just joined by Blazers guard Gerald Henderson Jr. so it was a pleasure talking to those guys and um, you know wish those guys nothing but the rest of luck move forward but let's move on now here Um, obviously game number three coming up on Sunday in a series that is actually a series, you know, that they can call this uh, this Blazer, well, Raptors, Cavs at this point, they can just call that series, maybe. But here's the thing, and I hate, because NBA series can turn around fast. They they really can. And, you know, you'd be surprised, first two games, teams get blown out of water, not even close. It's crazy. There's no, you know, I mean, you would look at um, San Antonio and OKC in that game one, when San Antonio just whipped OKC, I mean, just took them back out to the, took them outside and took them in the back and just whipped on them. I mean, it was just not even close. But the game two, OKC came back and you know changed the dynamics of the series. Even in game three, after losing, OKC came back and you know won the next all the games, won the remaining three games of the series, won three games in a row. 
Now, again, I'm not saying these Raptors can do all that. I mean, that's okay. See, this is Toronto Raptors. That's Westbrook. This is Lowry. And Lowry, who had an all-star, all-star season, is not having an all-star playoff. I mean, you know, his first two rounds, you know, they basically didn't have him in the first round against Indiana. Against Miami, he had some showed some flashes in, in a few games in those series, but from there he's just been. And now in this series, he's been he's been awful. He's, it's been awful, and, and he's this is a playoff for Kyle Lowry to to forget. Quite frankly, even though the Raptors have gotten as far as they've gotten, even though the, you know this franchise has never been to this place before, which is the conference finals, even though they got to this place, Kyle Lowry has just been awful. Considering what he came, you know, considering his regular season numbers, I mean, 17 points a game, but his shooting, um, his shooting is not great. Is he's just not playing Kyle Lowry type basketball? He's not, you know, he's not the guy that we saw in the regular season. I mean, the regular season Kyle Lowry was ridiculous. I mean, 21 points a game, four rebounds, six assists. We go to the postseason, his points per game are down, four points per game. You know, everything is down. I mean, he's just not playing the way we remember Kyle Lowry playing. Uh, you know, it's just not that guy, 35% from the field. I mean, that's awful. You, That's your best player. If your best player is shooting 35% from the field, it's going to be tough to win. It's going to be tough to win. It's going to be tough to beat the Cavaliers. He's 42% in the regular season, so his Field goal percentage is down seven percentage points, and his scoring average is down four points per game. So this is a big drop, and, and it's going to be hard to beat the Cavaliers if Kyle Lowry isn't Kyle Lowry. This is not Indiana. This, this is not Miami. Kyle Lowry has to be Kyle Lowry. Bottom line, point blank, period, this dude's got to be Kyle Lowry. He has got to be that guy that we saw in game number. What was that game? What was that against the Heat? What was that game six against the Heat? He's got to be that guy that we saw in game seven against the Heat. He's got to be that guy. If he's not that guy, then Toronto has no shot. But this team, they got a great home crowd. Maybe Drizzy Drake will be in the building. They're going to need all the energy they can get from Drizzy Drake, from everybody. They're going to need that kind of energy if they want to win this series, if they want to get a game in this series. Because I think that's what it's about at this point. Maybe pride. But here's the thing. 56 wins is 56 wins. This is a 56-win ball club in the regular season. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they turn this thing around. And and sometimes it takes a game to turn this thing around. You're on your home court. you got some confidence. you got a country behind you. You know, you got people at Jurassic Park out there. you got, obviously, the 20,000-plus in the building supporting you. you got support. And, of course, you got Drizzy Drake. So now you've got all the support, and so with all the support, you can maybe turn this thing around. Maybe. And that's a big, huge maybe. Do I think they turn around? No. 
do, they, do I think they can win a game? Maybe. Do I think the series is over? Of course. But anything, and so that's why you play the game, maybe they turn it around. Maybe they don't. And there's a good chance they won't. But let's go to the, to the series that really matters. That's Golden State and OKC. I mean, the first two games, the high level of basketball being played, again, a third quarter, Magic, Steph Curry in game two, Westbrook in game one. The battle of these point guards going back and forth. Game three now, you're going back to OKC. The health, the health of Stephen Adams is important. Got him hopefully make sure he is 100% and he's good to go and he, there's no problems, no lingering effects from that uh, that situation from game two. And so hopefully he is where he needs to be. And from all reports, it seems like he's going to be okay. You know, so you need that, obviously. You need what you can get from – you need Kantner to step on up. You still need what you get from Deion Waiters in these playoffs, Foy as well. You need that to happen. And here's the thing when it comes to uh, home games. Home games is where you usually get your role players. Role players tend to step up on, the, on your home court. So you need those role players to step up. Of course, you need Westbrook and Durant to come and bring what they bring to the table. But, of course, and, and you expect them to bring it on some level, at least one of them, to bring it in that particular game, game number three. And, again, at the end of the day, there's no team in the league that can roll out two top five players, essentially, in Westbrook and Durant. Nobody. Nobody can do it. And so you look at Golden State now, and you look at OKC. These two teams, in my opinion, are fairly evenly matched. They're fairly even. They're, they're fairly matched. They're pretty evenly matched teams, and so it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not even an upset, on my, in my opinion, if OKC happens to win this series because of the star power, because of what they can bring to the table. But I'll say this. I'll say this. You know, I, I think OKC. It's imperative. It's imperative. From my opinion, in my opinion, well, not well. You look at what happened in Game Three against the Spurs. Spurs won Game Three, but OKC won the rest. I don't. I, I don't think they can do that in this series. I, I don't think Golden State is going to do that. This is a team that didn't win, didn't lose two games in a row this whole year. So I, I don't think OKC. Can, I mean, Golden State can do that. I don't think they're, that that'll happen to them. So I think it's imperative that you get this victory in Game Number Three. I think you got to go up two one. I think it's imperative that OKC goes up 2-1 because you look at a team at Golden State, they don't lose many games in a row. And so you can't be in a position where you have to, you know, string together a few victories against the team because it's going to be very difficult to do. So it's very imperative, in my opinion, that you try to win game three and then maybe, you know, okay, Golden State wins game four and then maybe you go back to um, Oracle tied at two and, you know, we'll, we'll see what could happen from there. But I think it's imperative that you win game three if you're OKC because this is a team in, o- uh, in, in Golden State who, don't, who do not lose games in a row, don't lose uh, games in a row. They just don't. They haven't did it. They haven't done it this regular season. They haven't done it in these playoffs. You're not going to beat this team two times in a row, at least according to what we've seen in this regular season. But also with Marlon Gill, from this standpoint, the pressure is on Golden State because, again, 73 doesn't mean anything if it doesn't translate into a ring. It doesn't translate into an NBA title. 73 means absolutely positively nothing. It really doesn't. And so because it means really nothing, because it means nothing, 
if you don't mean to win a ring. I think the pressure is on Golden State. The pressure is most definitely on Golden State. We'll see how they handle this pressure. But tomorrow's going to be fun. I mean, Sunday's going to be fun. Sunday is going to be fun, man. And, you know, the, the, uh, two great fan bases. Two great fan bases with OKC and with Golden State. I mean, uh, those are two great fan bases. And, and so it's going to be fun. That building is going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy in Oklahoma City, just like it was crazy in, San, in, in Oracle. It's going to be crazy in OKC. And I, I can't wait. Chesapeake Bay Arena. I can't wait, man. I cannot wait, but the key to me is I think OKC has to win game number three. And, you know, obviously they still need those big-time performances out of Westbrook and Durant, but they also need their role players to step up, the Foys, the Waiters, the Cantners, the Adams of the world. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. And they have, throughout the course of these playoffs, stepped up, and I think they can step up again. Andy Robertson, because Robertson is going to get those open threes. He's going to get those open looks. They're daring him to shoot it. And if he can knock down a few of those threes, that's going to help too. You're going to need everybody. To beat a team that won 73 games, to, win, to beat a team like the Golden State Warriors, you need all hands on deck. You need all hands on deck. You need big-time performances out of your big-time players. Here's what I will say to, to, the, to, to OKC, and, and I think it's something they can be you know, a little happy about. If they didn't get their effort in game number one, from Durant, Durant and Westbrook. That wasn't their best performance. I know Westbrook went off in that um, third quarter, but he wasn't really that great, 7 for 21, and Durant, of course, was 10 for 30. So you haven't gotten your, you know, in game one, you didn't get the best out of your big guys, and you still won. You didn't get the best out of your big guys, and you still won. Game, uh, game number two, Durant shot the ball a lot better. Westbrook didn't play as well as he did in game one. But you still uh, – well, Steph Curry exploded in that third quarter. And and, and you could say that's out of the realm of possible. I mean, that's 17 points 17 in the third quarter. doesn't always happen. But what I say about the Golden State Warriors, this team always, always and has the ability to explode. They have the ability to go on one of those explosions. And that third quarter is when they went on an explosion. They went on an explosion, and they exploded. And then, you know, after that explosion, they went on and on to win that game and dominate that third quarter. Again, it's been about the third quarter, and it's been about the guys who've been dominating those third quarters, the Westbrooks and the Steph Currys. You know, two of the top players in this league, two of the top two point guards in this league. So, you know, it's going to be fun, man. It's most definitely going to be fun. And I can't wait for Sunday. Well, you got Saturday, you know, Toronto, Cleveland. I mean, I'll watch it, sure. It's basketball. You know, I want to watch as much basketball as I can before I lose it. And it's going to be soon when I lose it. And won't be able to watch the game that I love and at his best. Well, let's go to Janaris Jenkins now. Five kids, four women. He says a blessing. I will say what it is a blessing is the kids. Obviously, kids are one of the most ultimate blessings, probably the most ultimate blessing that you can get. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better 
than having kids. It really doesn't. An opportunity to impart some wisdom, an opportunity to 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 see your seeds grow into something possibly special. There's nothing great than having a child. It, it, it doesn't get any better. And Janoris Jenkins, he's got a few of them. He's got five to be exact, but four different women. And so, you know, he had four children all under the age of three with three different women before he went to the Rams in the second round in 2012. His five children range from ages two to eight. He's been busy. So he takes care of his kids. He said, quote, I'm a great father. I take care of my kids. I do what I got to do. I'm not the guy that's going to flash my kids, put them on social media for everybody to see. Jenkins says, he also says he sees kids the whole time in the off season. Pays his money. Pays, you know, takes care of his kids, baby moms, and all that good stuff. He signed a five-year, $62 million deal in this offseason, $29 million in guarantees. He's going to need each and every one of those millions to pay off all these different baby mamas. I mean, here's the thing. And, you know, I think it's obviously admirable for anybody to take care of their kids. That's what, I mean, it's admirable, but it's really what you're supposed to do. I know there's a lot of people that don't, but there are also a lot of people that do. And it's what you're supposed to do. You 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 make the child, you have to raise the child, and you have to support the child emotionally, financially, and all everything else that comes with it. You gotta do it. That's what comes to the table. That's what happens when you have kids. Now, obviously he said he spends summers with these kids, which is beautiful, which is great and which is what you're supposed to do. But I will say this. I will, I will, I will say this, I, and, I, and I've talked about this before, but I think it's 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 very important, very important that we 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 watch where we plant seeds. And I, and I said this before, and I'm, I, I think it's a perfect time for me to reiterate: you got to watch where you plant your seeds, because you're planting seeds in all these different women, and you not you're not there, you're not there with these women. You're 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 not. Um, you're not with the women, and therefore you can't spend all the time with your kids. You can spend some time with your kids, but you can't spend all the time with your kids. The kids don't live with you. And so because you're dealing with that, because you don't have all the kids living with you, it's an issue. It's a problem. It's a situation. And, and so because you're dealing with that, I, I think it's 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 it, it's tough. But, again, I, I, I commend him for taking care of his kids, but that's what you're supposed to do. I commend him for spending time with his kids, but that's what you're supposed to do. But I do have to knock him from this standpoint that you got to be careful, again, where you're planting your seeds. You're planting your seeds in places that are, uh, well, you're planting seeds and you're making babies and it's costing you money. The kids are a blessing, ultimate blessing, but it's costing you money. It's going to cost you a lot of money because you child support ain't cheap. And I don't want to say reckless behavior, but, you know, at, at this point in, in 2016, every man should be putting on some type of protection. And I don't know the relationship that he's had with some of these women. I don't know if they were long-term situations or whatnot. They couldn't be too long-term because, you know, he had three. He had a what? What, what did he have? He had what? Since his kids' age from range, their age range is two to eight. And so he had what? 
had all his kids. He had four children under the age of three with three different women, and this was by 2012. So he's, he's, he's getting busy, and he's, you know, he's not wearing protection. He's not protecting himself. And, and, and I say that from the standpoint not necessarily of making babies, but I, I say that from the standpoint of diseases and, you know, all these, these STDs out there, most of them, you know, more importantly, AIDS. You know, the rest of the diseases you can live with. Most of those you can live with. But AIDS, you know, with a lot of technology and everything, it's gotten better. But still, it's a monster. You don't want that. So I think it's, it's, it's reckless. I think it's irresponsible in 2016 for any man to be rolling around without protection. It's, it's irresponsible, and it's dangerous. And you're exposing yourself to possible disease. And, and, you know, some diseases you can't take back. I mean, what, herpes is forever. It's dormant at that point at some point, but it's forever. It's forever. Um, you know, AIDS is forever, forever, ever. And so you, very difficult to come back from. You can't come back. I mean, you, obviously you can live with it. We, we've seen people survive from it. We've seen people last for years, but you don't want it. That's not something you want. So, again, I commend him. I, I most definitely commend him for what he's doing in terms of taking care of his kids. I commend him for that. But I just, I, I got to knock him from the standpoint that you're just planting seeds in places that, you know, it's dangerous. I mean, you're making a bunch of different babies by a bunch of different women. You can't possibly spend the time with the kids like you want to. But it's just, you you, you hope that he learns from this moving forward, and you hope that, you know, he can um, become ultimately a better person. And, you know, hopefully he can continue being the father that he says he is, and hopefully he can continue on with that moving forward. But, do better, Janaris. Do better, baby. Do better. And, you know, move. That's all we can ask from you. Do better. Johnny Manziel. Apparently this guy, Johnny Manziel, obviously we see him every day drinking, partying, so on and so forth. But I, I think the video that we're seeing, the, the pictures that we're seeing him now, man, I mean, he is skinny. He's skinny. And, you know, they said he come in, came into the league at about 207 pounds, man. But people are saying it looks about it looks about 30 pounds. So you're hearing reports about 30 pounds less than than he was before. I mean, this guy is 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 going and going and going and going and going down. He just can't stop partying, man. Can't get it right. But he's 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 skinny. He's really. This is not a guy who. Obviously, wants to be an NFL quarterback in 2016 based off of what his body looks like. He doesn't want to be a quarterback in 2016. Maybe he doesn't want to be a quarterback again. But I, I think, you know, you look at Johnny Manziel and you just look at a, a guy, a spoiled, probably a spoiled little rich kid who, you know, obviously won the Heisman Trophy, who, you know, came from money, obviously went to more money in the National Football League, and who just – was a party guy, a party guy. And, and, and so you continue on with your party in ways, even going into the National Football League, your first year, 
you didn't prep, you didn't prepare the way you needed to to be successful. And that was the knock on you. Then the knock on you was was your partying ways, and you go into the league and continue on partying. You go into the league and continue to party the way you partied in college, even with the reputation that you had. You can't just go in the National Football League and expect to be big time. You just can't go into the National Football League and expect to be big time without putting in the work. He didn't put in the work in his playbook. He didn't put the work in, and it showed on the field. He was awful. When he got his opportunity last uh, two years ago as a rookie, he was awful. Last year he was a little better. But he's still partying, still doing the things that are distracting the team and just taking away from his ability to do what he needed to do on the football field. Hey, everybody parties. He's young. He's got money. Decent-looking guy. He's a quarterback in the National Football League. You can understand why this guy wants to party and make some money. I mean, you can understand why this guy likes to party. You get it. But if the party is getting in the way of your ability to do your job, then you need to cut it out. Obviously, he hasn't done it. And continues on the cycle. You get fired pretty much by both of your agents. They drop you. They don't want to deal with you. That's a sign that you need to do something. You need to get the help that you need or it could end tragically. I mean, you're losing weight. You're still partying. And and, and you're not making any type of strides towards changing. It, it's a, it's an unfortunate situation. It, it, it's a sad situation in a lot of ways. You, you feel for Johnny Manziel because of what he had, what he had, the opportunity he had. Cleveland is dying, was dying for a quarterback. They were dying for a quarterback. They were dying for a guy to be the face of their franchise. They were dying for you to come in and do big things. And you with the opportunity of a lifetime, just threw it all away. You threw it all away. You partied and kept partying like it was 1999. That is going to get you in trouble. And I had questions about your ability on the field. I'm not even talking about your off-the-field stuff. I had questions about your ability on the field. I just thought the league was too bigger, too much faster, and I just think you didn't. I didn't think you had it as a player, but I most definitely didn't think you had it upstairs either. I had questions about you upstairs, your mental makeup, your 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 ability to lead a team, your ability to be a face of a franchise. I had questions about that, and those questions, unfortunately, have, have come back. The answers at this point in time are that you are saying and telling me that you can't and don't have what it takes to be a starting NFL quarterback in this league mentally. You don't have what it takes to be a head and a CEO of a franchise. You just don't. It's evident, it's obvious, until you get the help that you need, you will continue on. Down this path And that's sad
hopefully he can get the help that he needs. Phil Mickelson had some issues with insider trading. Ultimately, he avoided jail, uh, jail time. But what's come to light is that maybe Phil Mickelson has a gambling problem. Um, you know, obviously, insider trading is a crime. You can go to jail. But he avoided jail time. All he needs to do is pay back the 931000 that he made uh, on, a, on a single trade. He was giving insider information from a guy who, who was a known gambler, Billy Walters. And so it, it, it brings up troubling, it brings up questions about what is Phil Mickelson doing all his money, all the money he made in endorsements, all the money he made in, 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 on, the, on the golf course. He's made a lot of money, and, and in the process of making a lot of money, obviously he's spending or gambling away a lot of his money. Otherwise, he wouldn't involve himself in insider trading. He involved himself in insider trading, ultimately he took the profit that he made from the, the stock tip and, 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 and paid off Mr. Waters. But you would think a guy like Phil Mickelson would have money just lying around. You would at least think he would have a million dollars to throw at somebody, all the money he's made. Made a lot. What? That's the man, what? Almost a half a billion dollars? That's crazy. That's crazy. All the money Phil Mickelson has had, and 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 now this guy, it's I guess seemingly maybe gambled it all away, all away. That's crazy. Anyway, hopefully Mickelson gets the help that he needs, but that's troubling. I want to thank Blazers guard Gerald Henderson Jr. for joining us. I want to thank. Uh, Marlon Gilbride, University Assistant Basketball Coach. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash begin. Follow us on Twitter at go for again. Hit Like us on Facebook at go for again. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.